Hello and welcome to the 17th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, back at it with Tony Pauline as always. And with the college football playoff semifinals in the rearview mirror, that means only one thing, Tony. Bowl season is winding down. It is, and over the course of New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, we've got a bunch of games that we're going to be breaking down in different podcasts. With the advent of the uh, college football playoffs, the New Year's Day bowl game kind of loses some of their luster, as does the New Year's Eve games. But there's some good prospects that we're going to be looking for and be talking about. And we'll start the first of those New Year's Eve games, and that's the military bowl between 10-2 and Cincinnati and 6-6 and Virginia Tech. The top two prospects in this game will not be playing for different reasons. Trayvon Hill, a third-round prospect on our board and a week one riser after he started the season hot, was actually dismissed from the Hokies program in September for multiple unknown team-related violations. Hushon Gaines, another defensive end, tore his ACL in December. So those two will not be participating in this game. One of them is not even with the program anymore. But there are still a couple other day three prospects here on the Hokies defense. Who are you watching, Tony? And don't forget Mook Reynolds, who I grade as a priority free agent coming into the season. Some scouts had him as a six-rounder. He was also dismissed from the Virginia Tech program early on. And even Hushon Gaines was not having a good season before his year was ended with the knee injury. As far as the players to watch, obviously you got to watch Ricky Walker, the quick, explosive interior defensive tackle from Virginia Tech, who is a, uh, a last-day selection. I do like Yasu Nisham, the offensive tackle from Virginia Tech, a guy who's still rough around the edges and needs work on his game, but he's got outstanding size, six foot seven, 321 pounds, and he moves relatively well. When you look at the Cincinnati Bearcats, it's primarily undrafted free agents. Khalil Lewis was graded just on the cusp of a late-round pick, but he's 5'10 and a half, 195 pounds. He's not a blazer. Probably going to have to make it through the ranks of the undrafted free agent, potentially a fifth receiver, return specialist at the next level. They have two similar defensive tackles, Cortez Broughton and Marquis Copeland, both three-technique type of guys, undersized but very quick first-step linemen. One guy to keep an eye on and someone who I do like is Dino Boyd. Their left tackle. He's a transfer from Rhode Island. He projects to offensive guard at the next level. Fundamentally very sound. Decent size, six foot three and a half. He's got to get upwards of 300 pounds, improve his playing strength. But he's got 34-inch arms, a very good run blocker who I think would do very well in confined quarters at the next level. Yeah, you mentioned Walker. He's definitely the main guy to watch here in this game with kind of the talent pool thinned out a little bit. He's a three-technique penetrator at his best when he gets the first step on opponents, but he doesn't get stood up against the run easily either. So he's a guy that could play a role on day three of the draft. We didn't mention Reggie Floyd. He's actually a safety for Virginia Tech. Made a little more impact against the run this year. He has good size and athleticism. For him, it's about getting more reps and continuing his improvement, just gaining experience and then he can possibly develop into a guy who's also a late-round pick. We'll move on to the Hyundai Sun Bowl next, and that's 8-4 and four Stanford versus 7-6 and six Pittsburgh. Now, we won't see the big name in this game, and that's running back Bryce Love for the Cardinal. Uh, he had an injury-marred season, so he's not going to play in this one. His burst, his ability to string together multiple cuts without losing speed at the second and third levels, that was gone this year if you watched him. It's really kind of throwaway tape in terms of what we've seen from him in prior years. Obviously, if the injury issues continue to persist with him, then this will be the version of Bryce Love that you get, and that's definitely not a day one or a day two prospect. He never had a yards per carry average under seven previously. He was under 4.5 this year, which just goes to tell you what he was dealing with. But again, the injuries are an issue 
with him. So that does factor into his grade. It does factor into his draft evaluation. But Stanford also has some other day two skill players. They have wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who's a big red zone target, good at making contested catches. He's improved incrementally every season with the Cardinal. But the questions with him are similar to the big receivers that we saw last year, and that's can he separate at the NFL level and can he get away from professional defensive backs? The other skill player from the Stanford offense here to talk about is tight end Caden Smith. He's a guy we've discussed several times on this podcast. He was a much bigger part of the passing game this year. He added some production to what was previously just a size speed profile. Tony, what are your thoughts on these guys and some of the third day prospects we're going to see in this game as well? And I would expect this to be the final game for uh, Caden Smith because everything I've heard literally since the month of September is he's going to enter the draft. He's well-liked in the scouting community. He's got excellent length at about 6'3 half, 6'4", gets down the seam, creates mismatches, but looks like a bigger possession receiver in a tight end's body. There is some concern as to how fast he's going to run in the 40. I have him down as a low 4'7 guy. Some people tell me he won't break 4'8 at the combine or, or during pre-draft workouts. At one point in the season, scouts thought that he would be the number one tight end selected in the draft if he enters. That obviously is very likely to go to Noah Fant right now, but still, Stanford has a history of putting very good tight ends into the NFL. Caden Smith is going to be the next one. Everything you said about our Seagull Whiteside, you know, I can't say anything else. I mean, he's a big body possession guy who wins out for the 50-50 passes. If he enters the draft, and I've not heard that he's going to, his draft position will depend on how fast he runs the 40, how well he does in the shuttles. He's got to show that he can separate with more than just size, with some athleticism. Elijah Holder, the uh, cornerback from Stanford, is another guy to watch was injured in 2017, came into the season graded as a third-round pick by scouts. I gave more of a six-round grade because I wasn't sure coming off the injury. Excellent size at 6'1 and a half, 190 pounds. Very inconsistent, very up-and-down career. As far as Pittsburgh's concerned, I like their uh, linebacker a lot. I know I'm going to butcher his name. Olawasun Adowu, who was an undersized run-and-chase linebacker, the way uh, teams like their linebackers today, he can get from point A to point B very quickly, cut off the corners from running backs, a guy who plays very hard and throws his body around the field to make plays. Alex Bookser, the guard, big wide-bodied blocker, 6'6", 325 pounds, just a mammoth guy who engulfs people, really can't use him in his own blocking scheme, doesn't have great footwork, more of a backup at the next level. I was disappointed the way uh, Aaron Matthews, the receiver from Pittsburgh, played this year. Coming into the year, I thought he was more third, fourth-round value. His play really slid off. I now have him as a fifth-rounder. Another nice-sized receiver. And, you know, the way Stanford produces tight ends, Pittsburgh produces receivers. I had high hopes for Matthews to be that next guy. Right now, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. And we'll move on to the third game that we're going to discuss here on this podcast, and that's the Red Box Bowl, which will see 8-4 and four Oregon face off against 7-5 and five Michigan State. The obvious big news in this game is Justin Herbert's decision to return back to school. He was likely going to be the first quarterback taken if he did declare for the 2019 draft. Now, obviously, he's going to have to battle for that top spot in 2020 with guys like Tua Tagovailoa, who will become eligible for the draft in that year. Something we reported was a strong possibility several times is that Herbert was going to revert return to Oregon. He's somewhat of an introvert, a guy that has his brother coming into the Ducks program next year, who I believe is a tight end who he obviously wanted to play with. And there are just general reports out of Oregon and out of Eugene that say Herbert is kind of a different type of guy in terms of, yeah, he could go top five in the draft, but that doesn't really matter to him. He has a lot more that he's going to want to accomplish in college before he moves on. Now, 
obviously talking about the talent that he has. He has the arm to make all of the throws. His decision-making at times is questionable. It's not necessarily going to hurt him as far as being more of a finished product to say for an extra year, but it really was a situation where he could have struck where the iron was hot and made himself a lot of money this year compared to staying in school and possibly being a later pick next year. The other news from this game is Michigan State cornerback Justin Lane. He won't play. Would have been actually really fun to watch him play against Herbert, uh, to watch the battle between those two. Lane's a former receiver. He has excellent ball skills as a result. Good length at six foot three. He's a good athlete and a guy whose best football on the defensive end is really ahead of him. And then the final player to discuss here as we kind of lead into this game is defensive end Jalen Jelks. We've also discussed him several times on this podcast, and I feel like every time we've talked about him, he's disappointed. He's lost the matchups against highly regarded offensive linemen, but he's going to get a chance to impress in this game and also at the Senior Bowl where he'll be in January. This matchup, he's going to get Spartans tackle Cole Chewins, who we have ranked as a fifth-round prospect on our board. Tony, give us some of your thoughts on this game. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because literally early on in the season when people had uh, Jalen Jelks pegged as a first-rounder, in fact, I saw several instances where people thought he was top 15. I just said, no way. He's an outstanding football player, but he just does not have the size and speed to be that early of a selection in the draft. He's a second-day pick. Is he a defensive end? Is he an outside linebacker in the 3-4? We'll have to wait and see. You mentioned Justin Lane, who we had reported in November was going to enter the draft. He did. He's a guy who can go much earlier than expected. I'm hoping that L.J. Scott of Michigan State has a good game. He's going to play in the senior bowl. He decided not to go back for another year. He's been injured literally the past year and a half, especially this year. I think he had only 55 carries in 2018, but when he's at the top of his game, he is a talented ball carrier. If you watch this sophomore film in 2016, I mean, he looked like a top 45 pick. Excellent size, just over six foot, just over 220 pounds, better than average speed, runs and plays in the four or fives, good short area quickness, does a lot more than just run over defenders at the top of his game. He's got the ability to make defenders miss. I like his game, but if you can't stay healthy, it really doesn't matter. One other underrated matchup to watch, Oregon tackle Calvin Frockmorton, who I've I've graded as draftable the past couple of years. Right now, I have him as a fifth-round pick. He's going to be going up against Kenny Willekes, the defensive end from Michigan State, who I've graded as a sixth-rounder. We've reported several times on this podcast that Willekes has been talking about entering the draft, and it looks like he's going to be headed that way. He's an undersized one-gap pass rusher, an undersized college defensive end. This is going to be a great battle and a great challenge for uh, Throckmorton, you know, to see if he can hold off the small, undersized speed rusher. One last guy to keep an eye on. We spoke about Jalen Jelks before. Justin Hollins, number 11 for uh, Oregon, 6'5 245 pounds outplayed Jelks this year. The way Oregon uses him, they use him more as a traditional linebacker, use him in space, but he's shown the ability to rush the passer, creates a lot of force up the field, can also drop into coverage, a guy who kind of not too many people talk about because everyone's focused on Jalen Jelks. But if you watch this game, watch number 11, Justin Hollins, because he's very likely to be a last day pick or a late round pick, and he definitely has a future at the next level. And that's all we have here on episode number 17 of the Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or any of the other major podcast platforms. Leave us a rating and a review, and feel free to send us questions to answer on the show as well. 
You can check us out over at draftanalyst.com for all your NFL draft insight. And we'll continue pumping out grades and rankings for the remainder of the Bulls, as thin as it's getting at this point. Then we'll also be back with another show to cap off the remainder of the New Year's Eve games. But for now, on behalf of Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi, and we'll talk to you soon.